It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Good morning. Welcome to the weekend. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. Uh, what a glorious day. In fact, I would say, do I say this every week? I think this would be the best day we've ever seen here. Steve Allen, alongside me, Michael Butner, former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep. And back after missing last week, we really missed her too. Jess Grimwood, uh, commentator, podcaster, and... Uh, also these days as well, uh, doing the AIS Athlete Accelerate program. Jess, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, guys. Thank you. I missed you. Hey, a lot of surfing overnight, mm. uh, including Wade Carmichael in action in France. Tell us more. Yeah, he surfed in his round of 24, I think it was, and he unfortunately went down to Geordie Lawler, but Geordie North Narveen fella, so he's the sole Aussie left in the men's division at Quicksilver Pro. It's by far his best result in this Challenger series. Mm. It's unfortunate that he, he lost that heat because of the conditions over there in France and the big chunky kind of Atlantic surf that they've been experiencing over the last 24 hours really suits him. I mean, they call him uh, the Grug, you know that character? But from the old kids' books, it's got that little hairy grug thing. Uh, yeah, He's yeah. just like really solid, really hairy and really like beasty. So it would have suited him well for the grug. Is, is that what that's called? Grug. 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 Cousin yeah. it. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> or or yeah. thing. Thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Hey, Butes, good morning, mate. How's the good week been morning. for you? Great week. Busy week. Back at work and doing all those things. It's great to see community sport back. Uh, initially, they had 200 people. Now it's up to 1,000 people. So that obviously helps... Sporting organisations like Oztag, like Touch Footy, like Netball, they can actually have uh, kids participating, which is great to see. And I have no doubt that over the next couple of weeks, uh, there'll be plenty of sport going around on the coast and all around New South Wales. Yeah, I'll tell you what I've loved. Uh, you know, the women's cricket is one of the first sports that's kind of kicked off. Mm. And so... You know, it's had a rails run in the media, in my opinion, and there's been some great games, and there's a local girl playing too, Lauren Smith. She'll be in action in a massive game tonight between the Thunder and the Sixers. She's played with both teams and won premierships with both teams. So looking forward to seeing that game later on tonight. Uh, also on the show this morning, Lara Coffey from NBN News She's is dropping back. in. She's back due to mm. overwhelming demand. In fact, she'll be in transit here. We'll roll out the red carpet for her. Mm -hmm. True Starling, tell us her story, Jess. She's coming on around 9.30. Yeah, she's one of the biggest prospects for women surfing for Australia. I mean... Uh, she's sitting number 24 on the qualifying series at the moment, so she'll be looking for the 2023 qualification. But um, she's just going through that stage. She's like one of those big up-and-coming names for us, and she does a lot of commentary and work with Surfing New South Wales as well, so she'll be interesting to have a chat with what she thinks about France. I saw some footage of her in the wave pool. The... 
Is it the Mark Ocalupo way pull in your poon? Yeah, the and yapoon one. Mm. She is such a good surfer. Uh, still a teenager? Uh, yeah, I think she may have just turned 20. But, I mean, her and her sister, they're very young, around that 17 to 20 mark. And they're, um, I mean, true surf through Rip Curl. And she's a really big ambassador for a lot of big companies. So they've really tagged her for yeah. one of the next big things. Yeah, looking forward to it. 9.45, Adam Kwasnick talks football. 10 o'clock, Nico Hines. Oh, the great Melbourne Storm player is now going with the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's a great article on the Sharks in today's Telegraph about Craig Fitzgibbon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Roosters legend, Clive Churchill medalist, who'll be running the show in the Shire. And Butes, his dad played for the Sharks? He did, yeah, yeah. I actually, I was coached by his dad, Alan Fitzgibbon, in my first representative uh, city team. I played for the city first. It was back in 93 or something like that. So, yeah, I had a little bit of a connection there with Fitzy. What are your thoughts about how... Craig Fitzgibbon will go in his debut year. I mean, he's served his apprenticeship uh, uh, at the Roosters. And uh, what are your thoughts about how he'll go? I mean, there's so much pressure on coaches, but I, I think he'll be... I think that Sharks team could be the big improvers in 2022. One thing I like about what uh, Craig Fitzgibbon has done is that he has taken his time and not rushed into wanting to be a first-grade coach. And this has taken... You know, it's probably been a seven, eight, maybe even a ten-year apprenticeship that he's served under a very good coach in Trent, uh, Trent Robinson. So, you know, that for me indicates that he's mature enough to be able to handle the whole situation. Obviously, he's strong defensively. Like, that's his, his main focus. So that's going to help the, the Sharks, and then he'll obviously bring people in to assist with the attack, etc. Yeah, let's not forget, too, apart from Nico Hines, they've got Dale Finucane. Mm. Uh, what an incredible signing. And also Cam McGuinness has gone there as well, and uh, we'll talk to Nico more about that. But Cam McGuinness apparently has put on about seven or eight kilos of pure muscle ready for next year. Uh, let's get to our first guest. Uh, he's been waiting patiently on the line. We're going to talk some motorsport first up this morning. Lightning Luke King, race car champion. Good morning, mate. You've been watching P2 from Texas, the Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, good morning, ladies and gents. Um, I have woken up early this morning, uh, yeah, caught up on practice. It's uh, kind of good timing at the moment with it being in the US because, uh, yeah, it's like it's not a late night thing, a, a 1 a.m. type setup. It's, uh, yeah, six, 6 o'clock this morning was practice two and, uh, yeah, got the, the lowdown and things are looking very competitive this weekend. Yeah, Luke, I caught some of the practice myself this morning. Is Lewis Hamilton having a few issues? Uh, no, I think Lewis is actually looking very on form. And I think um, Max was probably hoping that uh, America was going to put a ban on guns and stop Lewis coming into the country because I think it's going to be his weekend this weekend. So, uh, yeah, look, Mercedes is looking very strong. Um, but having said that, you know, looking, looking through the P2 results today, Red Bull certainly uh, aren't leaving anything to chance. So, uh they seem to have matched Mercedes' time from practice one, but uh, I think it's going to be very competitive right up and down the field. Look, I did notice um, Mercedes have a very good record there at um, the track there in Texas. Uh, I think they're five out of the last six, which is, um, you know, a real positive for them. Uh, what's the go, mate, with some of the drivers getting uh, penalties, grid penalties? and using different engines. And what's the reason in and behind that? Are they going through engines because they want to upgrade, they want to improve their performance, or is it just the fact that they are blowing up engines left, right and centre? 
Yeah, look, it's, it is more of a reliability factor at this stage. Uh, F1 have basically you know, mandated that you're only allowed to have three power units across a year. So mm. Valtteri Bottas is going on to his sixth power unit this year, which is, uh, yeah, like they, they've used up a lot of engines this year and there's been a lot of talk on that today. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's interesting. I think they're just trying to avoid any further grid penalties by just sort of taking the engine now, copying a small penalty, and then I think there's probably an element there for Mercedes as well where they know Valtteri's not in the fight and, you know, with a, with a fresh engine, he can be right in there and come through the pack. So, uh, yeah, I think you'll see Valtteri kind of nipping at the heels of the Red Bulls this weekend and trying to make a nuisance of himself. We're talking to Luke King, race car champion in the TCR Australia Series in the Audi. His teammate is Chaz Mostert and Luke running second. Uh, Jess has got the next question. Yeah, hey Luke, good morning. Good to have a chat with you about the cars this morning too. And let's have a look at the fastest lap time. I'm just having a look at the stats. I mean, 134.874 for Valtteri and then Lewis under him. What's the difference there? I mean, Lewis's time, 134.919. I mean, I'd love for you to give us some insight in what's that difference in splitting those two in that qualifier. Yeah, I, what what they do in these practice runs, Jess, is they kind of they simulate what they call a long run, which is their their race run, where they try and work out the tire degradation, which is really important for the actual race itself. And then they'll do what you call like a quali run or a short run on the soft tire. So it'll just be those guys trying to you know figure out exactly how uh, what what they can take out of the car. The, the heat across the weekend is a really big factor. Um, they've never been to the track um, at this time of year when it's been so hot. So they're kind of, all the teams are just trying to shuffle around and, and sort their setups out before they actually hit qualifying where it really counts. So um, it's, there's a few interesting things that happen in practice today. Um, you'll be interested to know that uh, Lewis has kind of been playing a few mind games with Max and there's already been some words in practice where like Lewis has actually forced Max off, off the track in practice and kind of it looks to me like he's purposely trying to sort of get in Max's head and later on in the session uh, Max actually didn't get his short run in to simulate his qualifying because he just seemed really frustrated so it's really interesting to watch, you know, how this happens minute by minute and, and how they're sort of getting in each other's heads. So, uh, yeah, I think qualifying is going to be close and I think the race is, is going to be fireworks. Yeah, but that's the kind of stuff we love, don't we? Heroes mm. and villains and it adds to the narrative. Hey, Luke, we caught up recently for a podcast and you told me something that I never knew about Formula One. So during the race... You told me that there's actually someone in a simulator back at headquarters with these race teams so they can allow for every different scenario that's happening throughout the race. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, correct, mate. So they've got like an actual team back at, at base that's running simulations throughout the, the event and they're directly talking to the guys on pit wall and Toto and, you know, Christian Horner, who are the, the team principals, trying to you know, give insights as, as to what may happen with the, the tyre degradations or different pit strategies and that type of thing. So, yeah, you've got, got guys that are actually back at base, like Alex Albon, who, who drove for Red Bull a year ago, and he's actually running sims um, for the guys um, back at base. So it's, um, 
Yeah, look, there's, this is why cost caps are coming into the sport because the, the options when you've got an open budget like Mercedes do are, are kind of endless. And that's where teams like Haas and Williams have kind of been missing out all these years. So uh, I think it's good that the cost caps are, are coming in for, for next year because it should tighten up the field quite a bit. Speaking of those cost cuts, have you got a bit of an idea of what sort of budget they're looking at there for the teams to be able to compete um, probably on a more level playing field? Yeah, so to give you an idea, Butts, I think Mercedes last time I checked was about 480 to 500 million a year. Um, that's the cost cap that's coming in is going to cut them by more than half. So uh, I think the cost cap's around 180 to 200 million for, for a season. So I think um, there's a lot of talk around which teams are going to adapt to that because obviously going from spending a lot of, of money and, and having all those resources is going to be hard for them to cut back. Whereas teams like McLaren, I think, are really well placed for that because Zach Brown has been mm. doing a really good job of running that team on, on a budget, on a, on a cost cap already. So they're kind of set up to, to achieve those types of budgets. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt. Um, and just on Zach Brown, I don't know if you guys saw, but I think Daniel Ricciardo's had something to do with him getting a tattoo this weekend at the US Grand Prix. <laughs> and uh, Jess tells me Daniel Ricciardo's also tried to speak like a Texan. Is that correct, Jess? Yeah, I saw that yeah. interview with him. I can't remember what channel it was on, but yeah, he was doing the full um, Austin accent. What did you think of that one? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he often does that when he, he goes to America. I mean, like Danny, he loves the a, uh, the American um, atmosphere and, and, like, spends a lot of time in that part of the world. So, you know, some people might look at it as taking the piss, but I, I think it's pretty funny. That, that was in the official F1 paddock interview. So he did, like, a whole interview talking about how ready he was for the weekend in an American <laughs> Texan accent. So... And he rocked up to the track with a cowboy hat and boots on and everything. So, uh, I, yeah, I did see that. He had like the he had the custom Red Bull um, full Western shirt on with that embroidered white um, bulls. And it was really, really funny to watch him. I thought yeah. it was quite entertaining. I heard some yahoos for him this morning when he was interviewed uh, before P2. Hey, uh, mate, we'll take a break here and come back. You mentioned about McLaren. They actually came in as the favourite team in the F1 survey. Now, what a survey this is. Uh, over 160,000 people have taken part from almost 200 countries around the world. So we'll discuss that in a few moments. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and BJ Howes Meadowland. Tools, steel, gas, you name it. They're the tradies' choice. Catalogue is out now, bjhowes.com.au. And we'll be live from there and outside broadcast next week. We're back in a moment with Lightning Luke King on Saturdays on the Coast. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. What a glorious Saturday morning on the Central Coast. And we're overlooking the 18th green here at Shelley Beach Golf Course. A player about to try to come out of a bunker here. Uh, so really looking forward to watching this shot in a few moments. We're about to go back to Lightning Luke King. 10 o'clock this morning, Buttes. Mm. Nico Hines. What, what a sensational season for the Melbourne Storm. I spoke to him yesterday for MBN News and just a great interview. And, you know, Nico finished on 14 votes in the Dally M's and that was alongside Cam Murray from the Rabbitohs and also, also Harry Grant. So mm. it shows what kind of a season Nico had. 
And a little frustrating toward the end of the year when Pappenhausen came back because he was in and out of the starting lineup. And you've got to say, when you look at that, and, and you know, you understand Craig Bellamy and what he did there, bringing Pappenhausen back. However, um, I think it had an impact on the rhythm of the side. Uh, and their flow and you know, their cohesion and the combinations that they had built and established throughout that period. Uh, so, you know, and he was a big part of that, uh, Nico Hines, and what he was able to contribute throughout the, uh, the entire, season, entire season. So he'll be a really good uh, purchase for the, uh, the Sharks. Yeah, no doubt about I, it. I love his work on the left edge. Hey, uh, we mentioned about a player coming out of the bunker. That was a magnificent shot. And uh, he's got like a short, short putt here. To be well, up and down in two. Short-ish. Well, yeah. depends on your definition. I don't know how good you are at golf, Steve, but that's still, that's no gimme. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's go back to Lightning Luke King. And uh, we went to the break talking about the Formula One survey. So over 160,000 people have taken part in this from almost 200 countries around the world. Luke, let me just give you a couple of numbers and we'll gauge your response. So McLaren, the favourite yeah, team. With almost 30%, 29.5, followed by Red Bull, 19.8, Ferrari uh, also in the 19s. Max Verstappen is the most popular driver, 14.4%. Lando Norris, mm. number two, 13.7, followed by Lewis as the third most popular driver. And let me give you the top five races as voted by the fans Monza, Spa, Silverstone, Monaco, and Japan at number five. So your thoughts on some of the results from the fan survey? Well, it's, it's interesting, mate, because Max certainly is not my most popular driver. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm, not, I'm not surprised Lando is, is up there. Um, I think he's been really good for, for the sport. Um, it is it is surprising that Lewis has, has dropped. I think that uh, some Lewis isn't to some people's taste. Uh, I suppose um, with some of the the outfits that he's been wearing recently. But um, I'm I'm definitely not surprised that McLaren are the most popular team at the moment. You know, between Lando um, and Daniel being there, obviously Daniel's very popular as well with the fans. Uh, but I think that says a lot about what the impact that Zach Brown has made into that team. Uh, he's, a, he's a marketing guru, and he has brought McLaren back in, into the fold. So, uh, yeah, not surprised there. And obviously, you know, it's interesting you say Monza was voted the, the number one out of all the races because it's been the race over the last two years that's thrown up a bit of an unusual winner with Pierre Gasly in 29, uh, 2020 getting his first race win. And obviously, Daniel's uh, maiden win for McLaren this year, which is absolutely amazing. So, uh, yeah, some interesting results there. I think the survey also shows, uh, which I find really interesting, that Mercedes aren't one of the popular uh, constructors there, which, you know, out of the top three or four, they're not there, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, yeah, it's, M McLaren's definitely done a good job on that. Red Bull, I think, are appealing to that, that younger sort of fan base and they're always doing something exciting. And then Ferrari's just got that, you know, huge Italian and Tifosi mm. fan base that's always hard for, for other teams to compete against. Um, being the longest standing team in F1 too, they've got a lot of generational fans. So, uh, yeah, but it is interesting, you know, Mercedes being such a dominant team and, and not having anyone really, you know, backing them. Yeah, they actually spoke in the survey about the fact that Drive to Survive has kind of reinvigorated the Formula One series and found a whole new audience. And Butch, you're one of those, I guess. Um, who's your favourite team? Who's your favourite driver? Uh, for me, I like... Um 
I like the McLaren and what they've been able to do, especially over the last couple of years. So I guess they, you know, the survey is probably a reflection of where I'm at. Um, and I've, look, my favourite driver is Daniel Ricciardo only because he's an Aussie and um, you got to support, uh, support the Aussie boys. But um, and I like the fact that he is very light-hearted and very easy going, which yeah, again is yeah. just an, a, a trait of the Aussies, and, and that's okay. He likes to have fun. He'll take the, you know, the. Mickey out of himself. Yeah, and, and Butes, Butes, we're we're old enough. Uh, like on the podcast recently, I spoke to Luke about uh, Alan Jones. Like yep. we're old enough to remember his Formula One victory in the 1980s, and he was racing against Nigel Mansell. Well, I don't remember it because I well I probably do, but I, I had no interest in Formula One or uh, motorsport back then, so it wasn't one of those things that was big for me. But you know, I think the beauty of where we are in Australian motorsport is that we've had several great drivers uh, over the time and hopefully Daniel can become one of those and and leave his mark on the form which he you know well and truly has done with uh, the number of victories that he's had yeah let's go to Jess you want to talk about the W series is that correct well yeah a nice little um, chip in shot from Luke himself I think but Luke for the people that don't know the W series um, explain to us a little bit about what's going on there I mean I've read their mission is the idea that if you can see it you can be it so I think that's been pretty dominant across female sport for a long time but uh, motorsports just picking up on the W series in that um, aspect yeah definitely look it's it's a great initiative and it's you know the whole thing about it is to try and give women an opportunity to to get into the sport and, and not hit the glass ceiling you know it's, it's hard enough for drivers as it is with trying to get budgets together and that sort of thing so the amount of female competitors who are coming through is, is quite slim, so that even, you know, it's, it's getting the chance up even further for a female to try and actually get to F1. So it's funded by um, a couple of people who are very invested in, in trying to help, you know, women get to the top level of the sport. So um, it's purely based around an F3-style car, which is what any other driver would sort of come up to on their way into to F1. Um, and it's seen some great drivers come through. So Jamie Chadwick um, was the winner of that. She's a, a, a British driver. She's currently neck and neck for the lead of the championship at the moment. And um, the, the person I wanted to give a shout-out here to was young Caitlin Wood. Um, she's a, a Newcastle girl, and uh, she's been competing in the W Series the last couple of years. Uh, this year, she's been drafted in as a reserve driver, so she's actually at the US Grand Prix this weekend. Um her best result uh, for the season was at Spa. She actually qualified fourth and she raced her way to fifth. So um, Spa's a very similar circuit to the US Grand Prix. So I'm very excited for Caitlin to be there. Uh, Liz and I caught up with her and her, her partner, Matt, when we uh, went over to, to Milton Keynes to see the Red Bull factory and looked at the British touring cars. So uh, she's been over there for quite some time now and I'm really hoping she can have a good result this weekend. So... Uh, if anyone's looking to watch the W Series, it's literally practice just finished and Caitlin was 16th in practice. Um, but if you go onto their website, you'll be able to find where to, to watch from. And I'm pretty sure it's on SBS. Hey, uh, Butes, I know you've got one more question, but uh, can I just say, I think Luke King, has he become the best <laughs> motorsport analyst in, in the country? 
Well, he's definitely the best one on our show. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> right, that's what I do know. Okay? Thank so you. you're, making, you're making progress there, my friend, which is outstanding. Mate, I just want to touch on the driver standings, and Max Verstappen, only six points ahead of Lewis Hamilton at the moment. These guys are going to and fro, hammer and tong. Uh, obviously, Lewis with uh, probably a slight advantage going into this race uh, where he's had success in the past. But the championship is well and truly wide open. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people commenting on it this year, Butte, saying it's probably the most exciting championship that we've had in the last 20 years. Um, mm. You know, the, the USGP this weekend will probably suit Mercedes, and they've actually brought a uh, straight-line device to, to the weekend, which actually helps them with top-end speed, which um, is an upgrade that no-one really, I think, saw coming. So um, I think Lewis will definitely have an upper hand this weekend, and... It's just going to go like that. It's going to be neck and neck. You know, Mexico, where we're going next, has been a, a Red Bull circuit for the past few years. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, it's it's really exciting to see what's going to, going to happen. And we've got three back-to-backs coming up. So Mexico, Brazil and Qatar, all through the first three weeks of November, uh, back-to-back. And then we've got uh, the first two weeks of December, we go to Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi. Uh, which are back-to-back weekends, finishing in the second weekend of December. So it's a, it's a full-on end to the year, and it's going to be an all-out battle. Hey, Luke, just before you go, is there any more update on P2? Is there anything else you can tell us that's uh, fresh news? Uh, yeah, look, I think um, I just wanted to, to go over my impression from the whole session, which is I think that you know Merck and Ferrari have, have brought their upgrades. Um, I think the track will suit the, the McLaren, um, and Lando was obviously P2, Daniel was uh, P5 in that session, so they weren't too far off the pace of, of Perez. Uh, Red Bull's on form, and, and Aston Martin are actually coming through and, and have had a good result in practice too there, so I think qualifying is going to be really interesting, and that, that top 10 should be a really tight mix of Merck, Ferrari, McLaren, and Red Bull, so... Uh, yeah, the, the battle for, for first in the constructors is definitely on, and the battle for third between McLaren and Ferrari is, is certainly on this weekend, which makes things even more exciting for Danny Rick. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Lightning Luke King, our first guest of the morning uh, on Saturdays on the coast. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch up soon. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Luke King. Uh, next, we're going to catch up with Lara Coffey from MDN News, who's joined us live on site at the moment. Looking forward to her update. Also, uh, 10 o'clock this morning, Nico Hines, formerly with the Melbourne Storm, Premiership winner in 2020, now with the Sharks in 2022. And he will be amazing for them on that left edge. He's absolute dynamite. A mystery guest coming up at 10.30. Oh. Butes will tell us more, but he's one of the greatest rugby league players. Uh, awesome halfback. That's about all that I will say at this stage. Saturdays on the coast, thanks to Robson Civil Projects and uh, BJ Howes Meadowland, where we're broadcasting live next week. And guys, just quickly, uh, BJ Howes Meadowland, what about the pressure washer? This is what I would grab this weekend. Perfect to clean up around and outside the house. On sale at 469 It's a saving of 50 The pressure washer and also essential first aid kits yeah. from just $25. So I, th- I, that's the difference between you and me. You'd grab the pressure cleaner. Absolutely. I'd grab the medical kit because I'm, if I'm going to go there and get something and do something at home, I'm bound to need the medical kit at some stage. Actually, Jess, you've got a story about the medical kit. We'll, we'll hear oh, that in wow. a few moments' time. <laughs> uh, you injured your dad on a road trip. Uh, yeah. uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. 
BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. What a gorgeous day on the Central Coast. A little bit of cloud, but absolutely perfect. And we're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. Might be the last time we're here for a while, Buttes, because BJ Howe's Meadowland next week. Carnivale. Can I say also? Yes. Obviously, the girls are in quarantine at the moment, the Brazilian dancers that Jess organised, <laughs> which is fantastic. Thank you, Jess. But it is my birthday next week, so I'm I'm glad you managed to organise that. So thank you very much. I'm assuming a big cake will be... Do you turn 48? 48, yeah. Tomorrow, uh, next week, yeah, next Saturday. Yeah, it hasn't that gone quickly? I still remember you in your playing days. Oh, jeez. Back in the back in the mid to late nineties, where you burst on the scene with North Sydney and then Parramatta. Yeah, a long, long time ago now. The Halcyon days. <laughs> they were. Hey, mm. uh, we mentioned about the uh, first aid kits at BJ House. They're just twenty five dollars mm. now, Jess. What's this story about you're on a road trip and you've yeah. injured your dad and you're in desperate need of a first aid kit? Yeah, I feel like that's where they could really come into their own. I think it's pretty um, necessary to have a little kit in your car. But, yeah, we were doing a road trip from surf comp. I was a lot younger and I think I was just being feral in the back of the car and I frisbeed the VitaWeek through the front and he was driving and it hit him in the eye and sliced the side of his eye. That's a pretty... And, uh, yeah, I got into a lot of trouble. Stitches? Uh, no stitches, but he... Blindly pulled over on the freeway doing 110, I'm sure it was, and I was just in so much trouble. There's a tip for the kids at home. Don't throw Vitaweek in the car. So, so yeah, the yeah. Vitaweek could be a, a lethal weapon. Yeah. yeah, well, it was in half, so it had that, like, jagged edge oh. across it. It was, it was yeah. Vitaweek, a.k.a. Ninja Star. Yeah, yeah. we could have used a mm. first aid kit ha- in the car. Have you got a first aid kit in your car? <laughs> Please. No. Yeah, got, I don't even have band-aids at home. Well, I'm hopeless. You definitely need a first aid kit in the car because you just never know. $25 from BJ Howes. The icebox. Uh, it's that time of year, Steve-O. 62 litre. Uh, now we can have people over. The icebox keeps everything icy cold. Just $189. Just $189. What more do you need? Uh, seriously, you load it up with a couple of, uh, couple of brewskis. Put in there, bit of ice, top it up, a couple of bottles of wine for the ladies. That's their way inclined. It could be your way inclined. Happy days, happy days. <laughs> uh, let's go to Lara Coffee from NBN News. And uh, Lara, good morning. This time last week we were talking horse racing. What were your observations from the Everest? You backed the winner. Good morning, guys. Yes, that was on the record last week as well. Obviously, Nature Strip in the Everest, um, such a good win. But really, the win of the day and one not to miss, the highlight of the day was the Caulfield Cup. Mm. I don't think you could... You, yeah, you can't, you can't pass that one up. Um, so, obviously, jockey Brett Preble on in incentivize like that was just anyone that watched it or anyone that didn't watch it go and watch it because that was a stellar win. That was I, I, a vlogging. I've got to say, I saw a horse that obviously, you know, goes into the Melbourne Cup now as favourite. But the way that that horse went about its performance last week was just amazing. And funnily enough, I went home last night, and I don't know why, but I was watching YouTube, and something <laughs> come up, something come up, and it was Winx's 33 wins. Yeah. All right? And I just watched it. It was actually, you know what? It was just worth doing. If you're at home doing nothing, just work on YouTube and watch Winx's 33 wins. Like, it, its first run was phenomenal. It's running, I think it's its second Cox Plate. Was amazing, and it reminded me of what incentivized did last week. That, that really? How dominant the performance right. was! It was a phenomenal run. Mm. You just mentioned the Cox Plate at the Valley at Mooney Valley. Uh, what are your thoughts on the running of the Cox Plate? 
Yeah, for the Cox Plate, obviously this is one of my favourite days um, of the year, but I know, Steve, for you, you've got a, a favourite in mind here from back decades ago, so I don't yeah. know why we're still talking about Kingston Town with you, because uh. as we all know, Steve's stuck in the 80s. Hey, hey, but for hey. me, in 2021, <laughs> moving forward to the Cox Plate today... Um, look, I was looking last night and my pick for the race has now come in as favourite, uh, only due to a scratching of Zaki. Now, yeah, oh, Zaki, what's happened there? Oh, Zaki woke up this morning with a little bit of a fever, I'm aware. So, yeah. Out on the I drink last on night, On one apparently. of the biggest days of the year, decides to have a fever. So, yeah, Zaki's been scratched. But I, from last night, I had a, just, just a little, little check at the form and <laughs> it's animo for me. I just, uh, yeah, James Cummings' horse, I just, yeah, I can't look past Animo. And now the odds obviously are a lot lower, which is yep. not That's okay. Not you don't, for me. You don't lose money back in winners. Yeah. Okay, remember <laughs> that. Gamble responsibly. Yeah. But um, obviously my odds are, are higher in a way to, to gain this win with Animo. And, yeah, I can't, I can't look past Animo anymore, I think. To me, it's a sure bet. Yeah, okay. Let's uh, have a look at a few other stories you've covered this week for NBN TV. Uh, one of them is the Greyhounds. And returning with crowds. Yeah, so uh, this week they did, the Gosford Greyhounds did return with crowds. So Tuesday and Thursday they had meetings. Um, yeah, it's it's just exciting. It's exciting for the for the punters to be back. There was about 150 people, I believe, at, at Gosford Greyhound Club this week. Yeah, what about uh, as I'm doing my impersonation Whoa. of Daniel LaRusso or Mr Miyagi, <laughs> you did a karate story. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we want to call him the Karate Kid, but he is he is 20. Goodness. Wow. Look at him go. <laughs> Look at him see, go. If you could see Steve right now, you'd know why he's not into karate. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, hey. So Liz Rose, Declan Squire, he's heading to Dubai in a couple of weeks to fight in the World Championships, which is a huge achievement, actually, for Declan. Um, he actually has just come off a huge injury. Two years ago, he shattered his knee in about four places, and he got told he'd never get on the mats again. And only six months ago, he actually was the champion for the Australian Open, So, which has now led him to be selected for the World Championship. So it's a huge achievement for Declan. And cricket returns next weekend. We've got our very own Lauren Smith competing for the Thunder. She takes on the Sydney Sixers down in Tasmania. Yep, today. So this, this afternoon, Lauren Smith um, gets on the field again, obviously a bowler for Thunder, which will be a huge game for Lauren because she's going up against her old team. She did play with Thunder last year, but... Um, the years before that, she was playing for the Sixers and she won a couple of premierships with them. Yeah, and as Butte said, uh, local cricket back next weekend. Uh, what game are you... I mean, you're doing a feature story tonight? Yeah, so the draw has... It's, the draw is not finalised for local cricket, but really exciting for that to be back. Obviously, you've got your two favourites from last year that were in the grand final, which is obviously Terrigal Matcham um, and the entrance. So I've caught up with them during the week, which will be my story tonight, and they're just very excited to get back back on, on yeah. the field. And a uh, quick shout out to uh, Chad Soper who represented PNG at the T20 World Cup. He's a former school captain. They, they put this up on Facebook, mm. Utes. Former school captain at Kingcumber. So congratulations to Chad. He's an opening bowler and has had a terrific career so far with Papua New Guinea. The Aussies we take on South Africa this weekend? I don't know. They lost India just recently. They beat New Zealand the, the game before. but no, They were trial matches? Yeah, they were trial matches. I, look, I don't know about this Aussie side. They just seem too erratic for mine. I just Dave Warner's you know, way out of form. Uh, Maxwell probably is the only one, and Steve Smith probably the only two that are in form at the moment. They need some work you yeah. know, around, and probably too late at the moment for the Aussies, I think. Yeah. Lara, great to see you as always. Uh, well done. Enjoy the week. Uh, where are you off to now with NBN News? We're actually going down to the wildlife sanctuary. 
um, down at Calgar, which will be really nice to be back and see, see some people back, seeing some animals again. And, and give us that tip again for the Cox Plate. Cox Plate is Animo. And, and give us a few more reasons why. I just, I just love Anima. I don't know. Uh, it's James Cummings. It's James Cummings. You can't, you can't look past him. Hey, uh, uh, Adam, you've got an update on the Aussies. Can you just flick your mic on? Uh, when can we see that tonight? Yeah, so uh, the Aussie men in the T20 World Cup up against South Africa in their first game tonight. So 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time there. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thank you. Adam Staples back at headquarters. We're off to a break here. We do it thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also BJ Howe's Meadowland. We're back next with a rising surfing star. Looking forward to speaking to True Starling next. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howe's Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, skill, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to the weekend. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the gorgeous 18th. Uh, picture perfect down here this morning. After 10, Nico Hines. He's signed with the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, Melbourne Storm Premiership winner, of course. And what a fantastic year he had. Uh, playing at fullback, he can also play 5-8. In fact, where do you think he plays at the, at the Sharks? Do you think he plays in the 7 or the 6? Oh, well... Who they got in there? Because Sean Johnson has left. Uh, Moylan is there, but, you know, he's unreliable. I, I think probably Nico has to play halfback for them at this stage um, to take the pressure. I don't see Moylan as a organiser, whereas I think Nico can take that role on. I'll, t I'll tell you guys, there's something we definitely need to talk to Nico about after 10, and that's mindfulness. He was doing some work yesterday with uh, Jared Brown, a local trainer. Oh, I know Jared. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Jared, uh, fantastic young bloke, and mindfulness mm. is something they're really focusing on because he's going to have a lot of pressure on him next year, Nico, running a team for the first time. Dude. Yeah, he certainly will. And, you know, I, th I see his role probably being similar to Jerome Hughes. You know, it's almost like a manufactured position. But I think he's got the skill set to be able to do that and to control and, and run the side as he needs to and without, having, uh, without overplaying his role, but also injecting himself at various stages, which Jerome Hughes did, you know, throughout the season, you know, in so many ways. Yeah, the, the other question we've got to ask Nico is we know him as a minor or woi woi player, but he also had one year at Terrigal. You've got to, mm. ask, him, you've got to ask him about his under-14 team at Terrigal and uh, it was absolutely star-studded. Hey, let's go to our next guest who's been waiting patiently on the line. Mm -hmm. uh, Jess, take it away with the introduction. Yeah, I mean, she's one of the earmarked up-and-coming Australian surfers. We're looking probably to see her on the championship tour in the next couple of years. She's from North Narrabeen, Rip Curl Ambassador, runs her own magazine with her sister, which is an online women's surfing platform, and she's currently ranked number 24 on the qualifying series. And a very good morning, True Starling. Thank you for waiting so long. <laughs> That's okay, Jess. It's um, good to chat to you. It's been a while. It has been a while. Now, I mean, for the guys that, um, you know, don't know much about your career yet, just talk to us a little bit about um, how it's been for you. I think you've been up at the HBC training at Surfing Australia, you're looking for that start of the qualifying series next season? Yeah, so, um, well, I've originally been based in the Northern Beaches at North Narrabeen, but I've recently relocated up to Cabarita Beach um, with my sister, and we've been living up here since um, the, Cabarita, the Cabarita 5000 in June. Um, so I've been training 
pretty much five days a week at the HPC and, um, as you said, working on our online surf mag, Murma, um, together as well, which has been really cool and just, um, I don't know, just floating around. I was lucky enough to go up to the wave pool in Yapoon last weekend as well. Um, and, yeah, surfing as much as I can and hopefully some commentary jobs come up soon, surfing New South Wales and the WSL as well. Hey, uh, True, it's uh, Steve here. I saw your footage from Yapoon, and that wave pool looks amazing. Uh, tell us about that experience and some of the things you were working on in the in the swell up there. Yeah, well, that was actually the second time I've been up to that wave pool. Um, it's insane. Yeah, <laughs> we got two days pretty much and surfed for seven or eight hours both days. It was just constantly catching waves. Um, there's two different peaks. There's Aussie Peak, which is a left and right, and it kind of barrels at the start, and then you can get one or two turns, depending on your ability level at the end of it. And then there's um, a fun little beach as well, just off the peak. And I don't know, it was just such a great weekend, and just focusing on hitting that lip hard and pulling into the barrels where you can. And, yeah, it was it was such good fun. Yeah, I saw some footage recently, Buse, mm. where Molly Picklam, uh, you know, one of the real stars, uh, a rising star on the World Surfing Tour, she posted some footage from Waco, Texas, and some of her aerials were next level. So really looking forward to what she can, really looking forward to seeing what she can do, and that's where a lot of the surfers are developing their style that they'll use for years uh, moving forward on the World Surfing Tour. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, I guess it's a good training ground for these you know, young surfers to be able to come through. True, I want to touch on uh, what you're doing off the waves. Is that what you? Is that the term? <laughs> yeah. Off the field, off yeah. the waves, whatever you call it. But you know, you've got a little magazine that you're doing, which I think is awesome. The fact that you're doing some commentating. Um, obviously, your, your focus is to try and get on the tour at some stage. But it's great to see yeah. someone so young who is thinking about the alternative. And, and I think it's a really great opportunity for you to understand this balance and how important that is uh, in your life. To you know, the focus is goal. Uh, sorry, you focus is surfing. But <laughs> goal scoring. Goal, yeah, absolutely. But, but there's things, you know, in and around the sport that you can do uh, that doesn't necessarily involve you being on a surfboard. Yeah, well, my parents are pretty incredible people. They've kind of brought me up to be, you know, surfing have those goals and you can get there if you work really hard but you also have to have something outside of surfing which mm. you know in case that doesn't work in case you don't land on your feet there that you've got a backup plan and I guess um you know when the whole pandemic kind of started Jesse and I were just my sister we were just like you know what let's just start something that you know we love talking about which is surfing we wanted to speak about obviously females in the industry because we noticed that there was a massive hole in the market in regards to female surf mags where it was specifically female focused um yeah that's what we've been trying to do just educating and inspiring even just the young younger up-and-comers you know to just be the best version of themselves and to know that if you know they're going through something whether it's competitively or recreationally that it's not they're not the only ones going through that, but also just wanting to inspire people to, you know, get in the ocean because we kind of have been brought up in and around the beach and, mm-hmm. you know, the ocean, whether you're surfing or not, it's such an incredible place to be. You can just kind of go in there and there's no judgment. There's no, 
you know, you can just go in there and wash everything off. And I don't know, it's a very special place to me. <laughs> Mm. Now, he, she's a perfect example. That's what I've been talking about, guys, of this new generation of athlete coming through in the surf industry. And, I mean, I know what I was doing at 20. I know what that whole generation was doing at 20. It wasn't this. She's, like, the perfect example of a role model. And um, quickly, True, before we have to um, go to the next part, what are your thoughts on France at the moment? I mean, your best mate, Molly Picklum, she's up in the quarterfinals against India Robinson. So, unfortunately, the Aussies have to um, go head-to-head -head and knock each other out. But what are your thoughts on Molly's performance in that Challenger Series so far? Yeah, well, the first few events, um, she did pretty well. And then I think this one in France is when she's really, you know, broken through and made it to those final heats. Um, the India's been surfing really well as well. I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup between the both of them. Um, Molly's had some great opportunities going to Waco and going to the Wave Gardens. I think it's cool that she's been able to focus on other things other than competitive surfing while she's over there, whereas India's been just constantly heat, heat, strategy, strategy. So it'll be interesting to see the matchup between the both of them. Um, and I think it's pretty evenly matched. They both surf so good. So I'm looking forward to getting up nice and early this morning and watching it. Yeah, true. Uh, you're my new hero. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your insight on the show. Congratulations on everything you're doing, uh, including the magazine and also also your work in commentary. Uh, standing ovation from yeah. our entire team here. Oh. We're off. We're off to the news. Running a little late. Nico Hines is next on Saturdays on the Coast. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Overlooking the 18th at beautiful Shelley Beach Golf Course, the text line 0477 736 736. That's 0477 736 736. Open line number 1300 421533. Buttes, uh, last, yes. last week we were talking about Norm Proven. Mm -hmm. The late, great Norm Proven. Ten-time premiership winner. He was a captain, a coach at St. George, the Big Red V. It got me thinking about some of the great captains you played with and against in your time at the NRL. Tell us more. Look, I, you know, I played in an era where I'm very fortunate to, you know, legendary names that are just synonymous with that 90s, early 2000 period. So, you know, the likes of a, a Mal Meninga, uh, who, you know, captained the Raiders to Premiership victory 94. Uh, Steve, you touched on it off air about Terry Lamb and you think that he's one of the best captains uh, you've ever seen. Um, you know, when you look at the modern day, and I didn't get to play against um, this guy, but Cameron Smith, clearly his record is probably close to second to none. Yeah. When, when you consider, you know, what he did at the international state of origin and club level. Like, it is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I, I definitely have Terry Lamb in that conversation, mm. uh, being, a, being a Bulldogs fan. But I, I think Paul Harrigan at the Newcastle Knights. Yep. And not only leading the team on the field, but driving the bus down to the Super League conversation. Uh, you know, that was a pivotal time in the game. And, you know, Chief was behind the wheel, wasn't he? I think it was a pivotal time for their club as well in the sense that, you know, he made that happen and, and, and ensured that they stayed together where other clubs, other players were disjointed and were seeking, well, it become a selfish time in the game, I think, where people were just looking for their own or looking after their own interests. Butes, if we talk about great captains, I'd say uh, JT, 
you know, Jonathan Thurston mm-hmm. at the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, you know, Dave Fairley told me a story that JT would have the first seat on the bus. And so when the bus would pull up, JT was the first off. So this is the captain and maybe a future immortal of the club. First man off, and he would get every bag off the bus. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's massive. Well, it sets the culture. Yeah, it certainly does, isn't it? I, was, I used to sit on first seat as well, not because I wanted to get all the bags <laughs> off the thing, just because I wanted to get out early. That's all. Hey, and annoy the bus driver. Maybe because you're naughty. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like we might have our next guest uh, ready to roll. Is that correct, Adam? Have we got the great Nico Hines online? We do. Let's, uh, let's all do. stand as one. Standing ovation for... Central Coast boy, who's a, a premiership winner and now joining the Sharks. Nico Hines, good morning, mate. And uh, congratulations on your season where, I tell you, I reckon the Magic Round was probably one of your highlights where you were just scintillating dynamite and you finished on 14 votes in the Dally M's this year. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, good morning, guys. Um, yeah, Magic Round was a um, probably one of my favourite games this year. Um, but, yeah, no, nah, it's been a good year and uh, looking forward to what's to come. Hey, before we start to hammer you with questions, how was your night at Coogee? Yeah. Uh, I heard it was going to be a big <laughs> night down in Sydney. Yeah, it was grouse night, actually. I'm sitting here right now at uh, Bondi Beach, just having a look around. People watching for the first time in a while. So, but last night was good fun. Uh, it was good to get to a pub and have a beer with the boys. Hey, uh, Nico, uh, in the Telegraph today, there's a double-page feature on the Cronulla Sharks, new coach Craig Fitzgibbon. Uh, the great E.T. is there as well. And uh, you're featured as well in this article about Cronulla in 2022. Just tell us about the move. Tell us about working with Craig Fitzgibbon, the Clive Churchill medalist. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I think uh, I didn't think Cronulla was going to be a, an option for me, to be honest. And then uh, Fitzy got the coaching role and, and gave me a call. And I uh, never really looked back. Uh, I knew that it was somewhere I wanted to be once I spoke to Fitzy, um, you know, his, his values and uh, the way he wants to bring new culture to the club and the way he wants to play his footy um, is everything that I liked and, um, you know, I kind of wanted to go somewhere where it's going to be a bit similar to, to what I had at the Melbourne Storm and, you know, he's got a got the Roosters culture and uh, he's going to take a lot of that to there and, you know, so it's... Hopefully we can um, kind of combine those two cultures and, and start our own one. And um, you know he's a, he's a really good bloke, and uh, a lot of people respect him. So you know, I'm looking forward to working with him and, and uh, the rest of the Canola Sharks crew. Nico, you talk about a couple of things there, culture being one of them. And you know, obviously you've done your apprenticeship at the Melbourne Storm, um, and you know, basically come through with flying colours when you consider the, the you know the last couple of seasons you've had and the impact you've had in particular this this year. Um, uh, which I think has been, you know, a credit to you and obviously a credit to the club and, and the time that they've put into you. But, uh, mate, what are your expectations going into season 2022 uh, with the squad that is there? Where do you see yourself uh, being positioned? Uh, I know you've got that versatility role, but um, it, will it be in the halves? Will it be at fullback? How do you see your, your year playing out? Yeah, I think um, they've got a really, really good young squad there. Uh, Fitzy mentioned it to me when he was talking about the club. Uh, they all played their juniors, so like Harold Max, then SG Bohr, and then into um, 20s and then first grade. So they've all played with each other uh, a fair bit. And, and I, I like all their combinations. They started playing some really good attacking footy towards the back end of this, this season, and they were just very unlucky not to make the eight. Um, 
So for me, I just think, you know, I've obviously been brought to go there and win footy games. I just want to have a, a good pre-season and um, start the year well, win some footy games and hopefully and, um, try and make the eight. And um, For me, I think I'll be playing in the halves. We've got a really good fullback there and Will Kennedy. Um, so yeah, I'll probably have the six or the seven on my back. Is Moylan still there, mate, for next season? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he signed on for another year. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Steve before uh, about, you know, how I see it playing out for you, and probably the halves would probably be your go. I don't think Matty Moylan is a halfback. Um, I think he's more... I don't think he's got that ability to, to control the side and take him around the park, whereas I, I feel that you could play that role and play it well, similar to what Jerome Hughes did uh, at the yep. Storm, uh, almost like a manufactured halfback. But, you know, with the skill set that you guys both have... I think you've got that ability to, when you need to, you know, ad-lib and play footy, you've got that ability to do so, but you've also got that control and composure uh, to control the side and take them around the park. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, in the, the way the game's going, at the moment, you need that uh, sort of play. Uh, but then you also need to be able to control the game and, you know, get the boys around the park and the corners. So uh, I haven't played in the halves in a while, so it's going to be a big pre-season for me to get used to that. Uh, now, Nico, when we're talking about uh, pre-season and like you just said, working as hard as you can, Steve was actually speaking about your mindfulness work this morning and um, perhaps working with Jared Brown as a personal coach. Can you give us a little bit of insight into that work? I mean, it's so um, prevalent around sport at the moment for all these top-level athletes, including yourself, to be doing some type of mindfulness um, performance work? Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, working pretty close with him. He's a good mate of mine. I used to play with the with, and he's got, kind of gone into um, that line of work. He wants to be sort of a life coach and work with athletes, um, you know, mental strength and, and, and mind. So I just thought um, it's something I haven't really... Uh, done in an off-season before and uh, if it can take me to the next level then why not give it a go and I think coming to Sydney now uh, being in Melbourne you're kind of away from all the, the media and all the pressure they put on you so I thought uh, going to a new club first time going there as sort of a, a main man um, I want to be able to deal with that pressure a bit better and you know going into a game uh, feeling really light-minded and having no worries in the world I think it's just going to um, help me out a hell of a lot and uh, just be able to, when I uh, get into a situation in the game, I can go back to these things I'm going to be learning. So, uh, you know, I think it's really important uh, you know, that, that athletes do this. And, you know, it's, it's something that I reckon we could do more of and you know, the best athletes in the world are the ones who control their mind in, in pressure, pressure situations. So I'm hoping to do that. One thing I like about that, Nico, is the fact that you're actually open to doing that. And that's probably yeah. the biggest challenge of all. Uh, is being prepared to go, you know what, I need certain things in my tool bag, so to speak, and this is one of them. Yeah, and uh, yesterday when I caught up with Jared and also Nico at uh, Beaufort Road Oval, uh, Mm. the home of the Terrigal Juniors, uh, Jared, Jared spoke at length about how you can see players that are really... Uh, what's the word for it? Uh, not under pressure, but you can see how they're feeling during the game, and that's affecting the way they play the rest of the game. Um, mm. Is that something you guys are working specifically on? Yeah, for sure. I think um, for me, when I first come in to first grade, if I, I made a mistake, then you know I'd probably be out of the game for the next um, 
five, ten minutes. And, you know, you can't afford to do that, especially being the main player now at a team. You need to be in the game for the whole 80 minutes. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing that, uh, working on that as hard as we can. Um, so, you know, if next year I make an, an error or I'll do something that I'm not thinking about it for the next five minutes, I can just move on straight away. I think a classic example of that, and probably in recent years, has been James Maloney and how he's got this yep. ability just to, you know, eliminate things. Whatever happens, happens. Let's move on and focus on what I've got to do. Nico, look, it's a great opportunity for you to, you know, go to the Sharks and, and actually be in charge of a team and, and take them around the park, um, which I, I'm really looking forward to, especially under a new coach, uh, Cam McGuinness there being at the club as well. So the Sharks, um, whilst they were probably disappointing this year, They've got a great opportunity next year and uh, it's going to be great to see what sort of culture uh, Craig Fitzgibbon brings because uh, I touched on it earlier. Not only have you done your apprenticeship down at Melbourne, but he's done a, an apprenticeship at, at the Roosters there. So uh, it's going to be a, a real big test for him, his first year as head coach. Yeah, for sure. It's, I think it's helps out that um, you've got, you got Dale can going as well, who was the captain mm. of the Melbourne Storm, and then Ken McGuinness, who was the captain of the Dragons. So you've got two captains of other clubs coming to the one club and you know that just speaks leadership right there those two and yeah Fitzy's been 20 years at the Roosters 10 years a player I think 20, 10 years as a coach and mm. loan under Trent Robertson so he's got a uh, pretty good resume under his belt and you know, I think he's going to succeed he's got great people around him at the Sharks and you know I'll be doing what I can to make sure it's a, a good first year for him and, and I know all the other boys are so um, no, I'm looking forward to the test and it's going to be a good relationship we have I think Hey, uh, Nico, we definitely want to ask you about your junior team in the under-14s when you played at Terrigal for one season, but uh, there's a couple of AFL fans here, myself and Jess in particular. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't know yeah. that you're great mates with the legendary Eddie Betts, and you used to catch up with him on yeah. a regular basis in Melbourne. Yeah, we um, so we used to, well, obviously, I'm, I'm Aboriginal and Josh had a car as well, and um, you know, some of the AFL boys down there, the Indigenous boys, would, would have a mob night. So we'd go over to Eddie Betts' house and just all catch up and just have some yarns. And, um, yeah, just have dinner, dinner one night a, a week or every two weeks. Unfortunately, COVID stopped that, so we had to pack up and leave. Um, but you know, he's got a really, really good family. He's um, very humble and you know, he, he's not um, arrogant at all. He welcomes everyone in from, from all walks of life. and um, you know, he's, he's a really good person to have in your life and uh, he's doing great things in trying to stamp out racism in, uh, in sport and um, you know he had a great career and I, I do wish him all the best in, in his uh, retirement but um, also that terrible team yeah we um, had Daniel and Jacob Safiti they were the biggest humans alive when we were 14 years old <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah we ended up winning the comp that year and it was, uh, it was lots of fun. Oh, what a surprise you won the comp with Safiti Brothers yourself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and Scotty Drinkwater yeah, was Scott... like, he was one year younger. Yeah, of course. He'd come up and play, I'm sure. Yeah, yep. no doubt about it. Yeah. Hey, mate, I just want to touch on how hard was it for you to leave the storm? Or, mate, did it just come down to the fact that, you know what, it was time. You'd done your apprenticeship. You'd earned the right to get that opportunity. And, and dare I say it, um, to cash in on the hard work that you'd put in. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because um, I was only telling Phil yesterday that how uh, emotional it really was. Um, you know, when I was um, playing those, what, I think I played like 19 straight or whatever it was, I was really enjoying it and I knew that I needed to be a starting player. And then um, at that point, I was like, no, nah, I can't leave the Melbourne Storm. 
all I know is my family now. But then when towards the back end of the year when we had come back and we kind of swapping and changing into the fullback role together and then I ended up going back to the bench. Then I knew that I made the right decision to leave. I feel mm. like uh, I'm ready to, to, to be a starting player in the team. Um, you know, I really enjoy making game plans and picking teams apart and um, you know, I, I can't really do that from the bench. Um, you know, so, yeah. Decision that had, had to be done, um, you know, if, if, without disrespecting the Sharks or if I had the choice to stay almost all forever, I would have, you know, that they turned me into the player I am and they made me the person I am off the field more importantly so I uh, can't speak highly of enough of the Melbourne Storm and um, you know, I didn't, didn't really get a proper goodbye because uh, of all the COVID and uh, everyone just packed up and left straight to Melbourne after our Mad Monday or well, not Mad Monday drinks whatever we had um, but cups yeah. of tea but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah it was it was, um, yeah, it was a very, very hard decision. Um, when I come home, I was kind of ringing all the boys and saying a, a goodbye and, and the club and really thanking them. Um, I felt like they, they all deserved that because they made me who I am. But now, now I'm, I'm feeling good and excited now. So I'm a bit, I'm over that little come down, but it's, it's, it's yep. you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's just, it is what it is. It's just what had to happen for me to go and. Um, you know, be a starting player. Mate, it's a new chapter in your life, mate, in your footy career. Not only in your footy career, but in your life. And I think that's important. And, yeah, you exactly know, I right. think you're right. The, the time is right and you're ready to take, yep. you know, the reins. So probably like you, Butts, when you left North Sydney and went to Parramatta. Well, it was like me when I left Parramatta. I was there four years and I went to go to North Sydney. I just, I went to the club, to North Sydney, knowing that I had to prove myself as well. I played four seasons. And 80 odd first grade games. I didn't feel I was a first grader going to that North Sydney club with the likes of Jason Taylor, oh. Greg Florimo, you know, David Fairley, Billy Moore, Gary Larson. Uh, I didn't go in there thinking that Good I was going to play this. Yeah, it's a solid team, and I'm just going, where am I going to fit into this squad? I had to prove myself, and I did that, and I knew it was the right time to do it. I actually had the best four years of my career over that period. Should have won a premiership. In fact, uh, Nico, you said to me yesterday, and we probably should finish with this, you actually feel like your Melbourne Storm team this year, who won 19 straight and equaled the great 1975 Roosters, Mm. and are technically the second-best attacking team of all time, you feel like you might be the best team not to win a grand final in 2021? Yeah, well, sitting back and kind of reflecting on it, I was like, I look at our team and I'm going, how, how did we not win the comp? You know, like we have a mm. really, really good um, team and I got taken away from 10 commanders. They deserve to win it. Um, but I just think, looking back, with a couple of the players, I think it's like, go down to be the best team that never wins the competition. Like, you know, like, not trying to sound arrogant or all, but we had a really good football team and, we're never going to get that again. So we're kicking ourselves because we didn't make the best of our opportunity. Yeah, I can relate to that. 2001, we were in the same position. <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to go head-to-head as to who is going to be the best side not to win a comp. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, tell you, standing probably. ovation, standing O for uh, well done, Nico. Nico Hines. Congratulations, mate. And an absolute pleasure to have you on the sports show this morning. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Nico Hines off to the Cronulla Sharks in 2022. We're off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects and BJ Howes. We're live from BJ Howes next weekend. Outside broadcast for Saturdays on the Coast. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. We're overlooking the 18th, and it is glorious. 
Wow, oh. what a day. Yeah, right. It's superb. I, I, I don't know whether it's been better, I've got to say. that I don't know what it is. I, I don't know whether we've had time for the grass to grow and things to blossom. And the weather's fantastic, but it looks sensational. And the sun is glistening off the water. Yeah. Some nice little waves around as well. Hey, Butes, you just said a moment ago you could have spoken to Nico Hines for another 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, what an outstanding young man. Yeah, look, I, I'm really impressed with what he's managed to do over the last 12 months on the footy field. And I think his approach off the field is a reflection of that because, you know, he's so open to thinking about different aspects of his life, different aspects of his game um, and trying to, you know, I guess tick as many boxes as he possibly can. Well, with his coach Jared Brown yesterday at, at Terrigal, they spoke about Anthony Milford and when they're talking about mindfulness... They actually said they wanted to reach out to Anthony Milford. Mm. They felt that the pressure he was under was astronomical to run the team. And so there's some of the things they're trying to work on. And this is the big thing. And when I said to Nico, well done for being prepared to take this on. Because yeah. the hardest thing is actually putting your hand up and going, you know what, I'm going to try this. Because, you know what, it may or may not work, but... You've got to be open to, you know, trying new things and, and trying to, I don't know, uh, evolve as a player. And, and it's not all about the physical component. There's a lot that comes up to the mental component. Well, two of the Central Coast greatest athletes of all time, I'm talking about Nicola McDermott in the high jump in Tokyo mm -hmm. and also talking about Matt Graham in the moguls in Pyeongchang. So both silver medalists at Olympic level, they both work with, with uh, sports psychologists. Yeah. In, in fact... For Matt Graham, the sports psychologist was at the top of the mountain in Pyeongchang before he, before he took off. Uh, so, you know, I feel like you'll see a lot more rugby league players start to work with, you know, some kind of sports psychologist or work in that space. Hey, Butes, we spoke about some of the great captains of all time. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned Mal Meninga. Terry Lamb. Uh, we also mentioned Paul Harrigan at the Newcastle Knights. Who is the greatest captain that you played with or against uh, in your time? Can, can you name one person? Uh, only, yeah, it's pretty easy. He was my little halfback at uh, the North Sydney Bears, and it's JT. Jason Taylor, are you there? Yes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He forced me to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll take it, but yeah. Yeah, the original JT, Jason Taylor. Uh, mate, great to have you back on the show. Uh, how have you been, mate? And just tell us what 2021 has been like for you. Uh, the most challenging rugby league season we've ever seen, I guess, with the entire competition relocating. And uh, tell us how 2021 was for you, my friend. Yeah, it was pretty tough from a footy perspective in that we... So I'm currently head coach of the North Sydney Bears and playing the New South Wales Cup competition... Uh, and we got, yeah, 13 or 14 games into the season and then got cancelled when the NRL moved up to Queensland. Um, and then we went into lockdown as, um, you know, everyone did. And, and it's, it was tough. Like, and, and I say it was tough from a footy perspective. To be honest, um, as far as getting through it, it was OK. Um, and I feel like I'm very lucky to be in the situation I'm in with my family and and where we live, and, and we were able to be at home and, and get through it. And I know so many people do a lot tougher than me. Um, but the footy bit, God, I missed it. it was, it's amazing how much you, you realise how much you love something when, when it's taken away like that. And, um, and that part was really hard. 
Yeah, Jason Taylor. So Butes has nominated Jason Taylor as the best captain that he played with or against uh, in his illustrious career. Can I just say this before you ask the next mm. question, Butes? 2,107 points. 2,107. One of the greatest point scorers of all time. Don't forget, mate, I was a Western Suburbs fan and he wore the black and white of the famous Western Suburbs. He certainly did. Mm. He certainly did. Uh, JT, mate, the... Has it given you a chance to recharge the batteries, um, you know, with this COVID and everything that happened uh, heading into season 2022? How's it looking for the Bears? Um, you know, are we strong? Is it going to be one of those competitive seasons? Because I know that there was a lot of success uh, in 2021 prior to uh, the competition being called off. Uh, you would have considered yourself a, a good chance at definitely a top four uh, finish. And, uh, you know, who knows what happens once, it, when, once you get to the finals. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely the future's future's really bright for the Bears. Um, you know, the relationship we've got with the Roosters is is really uh, strong, and and it's um, it's really producing a pathway for for North Sydney players. And and you know, we can talk a little bit about uh, Central Coast as well. You know, there's a real sort of a three way link there with the Roosters heading up, um, you know, development through. Uh, the Central Coast, but also through the North Sydney and North Sydney District Rugby League. So um, I'm working with, with some guys who were um, involved in our junior rep teams who who are from the coast. Tony Clark's going to coach our SG ball team again. And, yes. um, you know, there's opportunity for, for kids on the coast to to not only play for the Roosters in junior rep teams, but also the Bears. And then, and then both of those spots will, will feed into the Roosters and ultimately an NRL team. So it's, it's, it's really, that, that is really developing uh, really well for us. Um, as a Bears club, we're, we're extending our teams next year. So we've, we've got another women's team. So we're going to run a Tasha Gale team, which runs the under-19 girls. And it runs like the SG Ball and Harold Matthews competition. It starts early and sort of finishes about midway through the year. But it's, um, so that's going to be our first foray into that, into that competition. We've had a Harvey Norman Women's Opens. Uh, women's team for uh, five or six years um, and I've spent a bit of time with, with the girls um, doing some coaching with them and that's been great. I've really, really enjoyed that. Their enthusiasm and, and willingness to learn has, has been really refreshing. Um, and so, yeah, the, look, the, the Bears you know, and the Bears are in there in the mix in regards to, to expansion and looking to, to merge with any with, with clubs who are a chance and, and trying to bring back you know, the the Hundreds of thousands of fans that we've got that still North Sydney and would love us, love to see us back into the competition. So we, we we haven't given up on that, but we're we're also thriving in regards to the teams that we've got and and the way that we're um, progressing as a club. Yeah, I tell you, I'd love to see the Bears back. Hey, mm. Butes, uh, I've just I've just realised. I feel like JT. I feel like there's a lot of Nathan Cleary. In and and there's a lot of JT in Nathan Cleary, and I'd like to get your thoughts on Penrith's run in the final series because Butte spoke at length about the style of footy and and it kind of really it was a flashback to the 1980s with the defensive powerhouse effort that Penrith needed in 2021 to win the comp. I'd like to gauge your thoughts. So they beat Parramatta in a thriller, they beat Melbourne in a thriller, and then they win a tight one against the Rabbitohs to win their first premier premiership since 2003. Yeah, wasn't it amazing the way that the, the scoreboards um, were reduced in such a big fashion um, in the semi-finals? You know, I, I, the real rugby league lovers don't 
really love the score line when it's 36 to 30. And, um, you know, we we were getting a lot of that with the, the new rules and six again mm. and stuff. But uh, wasn't it amazing how we went into semifinals and the referee probably referees probably reduced the the six agains a little bit and all of a sudden we had teams defending. You know, defence has always been the key to winning premierships uh, and it certainly was in 2021, wasn't it? And, and Penrith, yeah, they, they were so impressive. Um, they were so impressive. And, and Bennett, Bennett getting south to the, to the grand final like he did was totally on the back of defence. It was totally on the back of defence. Um, you know, they shocked Penrith when they beat them in that first week. Mm-hmm. Um, just with just with absolutely superb defence, um, and then those two teams came back and met again in the in the grand final, and, and Penrith were good enough to beat them. But the games, yeah, you know, you mentioned that Penrith Parramatta game it was it was so great to watch that game. Like personally, I thought that the, the attack in that game had, was just a little bit below par, um, but the defence was it's just it's so great to watch a team defend their line set after set after set. Um, and it was yeah, yeah, such such great uh, footy to watch, you know, when it's a sudden death game and the scores are low and it's close and it goes to the last minute. It's um, yeah. great stuff. Mate, I've got to say, those last three games for me got me back because I was gone with the, the changes in the rules and what they've done. I was just, you know, that magic round when we had players getting sin bin and sent off and what have you, like this has yeah. become an absolute debacle for yeah. mine. And, and I think they put the whistle away. They, yeah, they, definitely they, through there the is no, There is no doubt, and they had to. Right, they had to because they were losing, you know, interest. People weren't interested at all. JT, we've got to wrap it up, mate. We've got to head to the news. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Yeah. Really appreciate Standing. it. Standing ovation as Steve loves to do. And, and that's massive, Butte. So JT time, is is the greatest captain that you played with. Oh, man, look, mate. He's I made him look good <laughs> when we we're playing, but yeah, he was <laughs> he was. Fantastic, never mate. did what I told him. That was the hardest. If he says I was the best captain, well, he was the hardest player I ever had. <laughs> What yeah. told you. When you said tackle, I didn't hear anything. You wasn't sure about what that meant. Well, it was a battle, wasn't it? it was a battle, yeah. right? Tickle or tackles, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, the great Jason Taylor, the original JT. JT. We're off to the news. We're back soon. We'll talk some football with Adam Kwasnick. Saturdays on the coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, a third-generation company business, roads, rail, infrastructure. They take care of that. And BJ Howes, we're off to their uh, showroom next week. Can't wait to get oh, to BJ Howes. Bring House. it on, Steve. Yeah, BJ Howes. And uh, don't forget, they've got plenty of specials this weekend. Just check out BJ Howes online for all the details. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back, and we're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. Uh, Staples back in the uh, studio was panicking. Where are you guys? What's going on? Are you okay? Hey, uh, we're here, mate. We're here. On the uh, text line 0477736736, old man Grimwood has sent a message through. Ooh, has he? Oh, wait, yeah, he has. <laughs> oh, did he? I was still laughing about um, Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, he's at the fire station today, local fire station mm. boss at Bado, and I think he's got Josh English 
champion boxer oh, on the yes. crew. So, yeah, I think yep. we might have to get some um, boxing analysis well, throughout the season from we, Mr English. We love Josh English. Uh, Butte mm. and I have had a lot to do with him through the Danica Clark Foundation. You wouldn't find a finer young man. And uh, what a fantastic career he had too. Great rugby league player as well. Yeah. They told me... Uh, Played above his weight, of course. I love the fact we were also, featherweight. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I love the fact we got a text from uh, Fergie who um, was dumped after week one for his tips. Well, he wants back in. Yeah, apparently he does, but I don't think making comments like he did on that text about the fact that when we go next week yeah. to BJ Howe's Meadowland, that there will be a couple of extra tools. Now, I think that's really unfair <laughs> to refer to both you and Jess as extra yeah. tools. But surely he wouldn't be referring to me at all. So, so, do you think we kind of put a line through his name in? In terms of future appearances? Oh, I think you can just block him from your phone if you like. <laughs> we'll completely. pressure wash him out of the situation completely. Pressure wash him. There you go. Hey, uh, last week on the show, last week on the show, we spoke about some of the great female athletes of all time. Mm-hmm. And Butes gave us his top three. So, mm. Elise Perry at number three. Number two, Kathy Freeman, which, you know, surprised me. And then, number one, a friend of the show... And a friend of everyone, mm. the great Dawn Fraser at number one in Butes' list of the top three female athletes. Mm. How about you, Jess? What would your list look like? Yeah, mine was tricky. And uh, to get it down to three, I had at number three, Lane Beachley, just for obvious reasons, what she's done for surfing and for women's sport um, and being Aussie. Number two was actually um, Billie Jean King. And I don't know mm. why I Love had it. that, but... Yeah, I really enjoyed her. And then number one for me was Serena Williams. So two tennis stars in my top three. So uh, I, I think, yeah, I used to draw a lot off the tennis when we were competing. Do you think Do you think that Billie Jean King smashed down a lot of barriers as oh, well yeah. off the court? Yeah, I think that's why she's slotted right in there in the middle because she, she started so much and she just, you know, said pretty much, screw you all, this is how we're going to do it and, and went on and did it at such a crazy point in her Tra- career. A trailblazer. Mm. Uh, do you need to explain Serena at all? No. <laughs> She's incredible. I mean, she's now a mother, still winning, like, championships. She's just... She's, like, unbeatable for athletes, I think. What are your thoughts, Butes? Oh, I think my list is who's better. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I would... Yeah, uh, you, you know what? I, I love the debate. <laughs> I love the discussion around, you know, what constitutes in my yeah, head and true. your head, you know, where they sit and rank. And I can't if, argue with you about Serena Williams or Billie Jean King. I just go, wow, if my squad fought Butes' squad... Oh. Which squad would win? I can't. I, I cannot see your squad standing up to Serena's. I'll tell you now, mate. Dawn Fraser, <laughs> she would go down swinging. That's all I know. For my list, I would definitely, and I'll give this some thought through the week, but I would definitely throw in athletes like Raylene Boyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been talk in the last week that these athletes have been affected for their entire life because of drug-tainted medals. So Raylene wins a silver, I believe, if, yep. I was, if I was to go to Wikipedia in track and field. Mm. But it should have been gold. Correct. Because the gold medalist is, uh, you know, from a drug-tainted country. Uh, That's also, a bitter pill to swallow. I'd also probably throw in athletes like Glynis Nunn, who, if the greatest athletes are like heptathletes or... Uh, uh, yeah. So you're, you're the best all-round athlete on the planet. Mm. Yep. So your thinking is more towards performance on the field, athletic performance, rather than, I guess, I took the more change um, makers. And yep. then Butes, well, 
He just Googled top three women athletes <laughs> probably in Australia. Well, well I'm going to... I'm you going know to, me too well, Jess. Yeah. I'm going to give it some thought and I'll, uh, I'll give you my, my thoughts next week. Hey, by the way, uh, if you've got some thoughts, 0477 736 Hey, we'll take a very quick break here. Adam Kwasnick is waiting on oh. the line. Matildas against Brazil. At, big, week, uh, big weekend in EPL as well. Yeah, Combank mm. Stadium, that Matildas match. And yep. can't wait for that game tonight. So we'll get Quaz's thoughts in a few moments' time. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. And our final segment on this Saturday morning. Gee, it's been a great show. Don't forget mm. the uh, catch-up podcast. I tell you, I loved the original JT, Jason Taylor. What a fantastic interview. Nico Hines joined us. So Nico, premiership winner with Melbourne. Now he's off to the Cronulla Sharks in 2022. True Starling, mm. young surfer. How impressive. Uh, in fact, I said she's my new hero. So... Uh, the Catch-Up Podcast, simply go to the SEN app and download Saturdays on the Coast. Hey, uh, Buttes, just quickly, 25 yeah. words or less. I mentioned earlier about the Telegraph yesterday. They're saying Mitchell Pearce, maybe a $1.8 million deal to go to Catalans in the English Super League. What are your thoughts? Give him the pen now and sign. That's as simple as it is. You know what? He's, he's done a good job at Newcastle. But, you know what, if you want to finish your career and, you know, extend it for as long as you possibly can, and there's 1.8 million reasons why you want to do that, <laughs> then sign that contract and pack your bags because yeah. it's well worth going over there and enjoying the experience. And, you know what, he could he could probably extend his career possibly for another two, maybe three years after that. He'll smash it over there. Yeah, he'll do well. He, he'd he be a great well. fit for James Maloney, who's now retired, who played with Catalans. Yep. And let's not forget that uh, Junior... He's played over 300 games. He's won a premiership. And uh, he's got one more year on his deal with the Knights, but I'd be on my way to the south of France in a heartbeat. Let's go to our final guest of the morning. And uh, it's standing O material for Adam Kwasnick. Good morning, mate. Good morning, boys. Good morning, Jess. Hey, Kwas, we're just looking at some of the numbers here, and can you believe it's almost 600 days since a game on home soil for the Matildas? And if they get... A record crowd tonight. Well, if they get 22,500, which is the capacity at Combank Stadium under the COVID protocols, it'll break the record for the match against Chile that was set in 2019. So it's going to be a bumper crowd and a great game against Brazil. Yeah, can't wait for, for this two-game series against Brazil, uh, uh, you know, a world-class opposition. And I think it's a great preparation for, for the Asian Cup coming up in uh, 2022 in India. Um, and it's an opportunity for Tony Gustafsson to continue, you know, blooding these youngsters, uh, the likes of Cooney Cross, Jamila Franklin, and even uh, Mary Fowler. Um, you know, it, it's a great opportunity, as I said, to, to continue blooding these kids ready for, for the World Cup and Asian Cup coming up. Now, Cos, I'm looking at the... Uh, oh, you can hear the beats in the background here. Um, we're at the golf course, but... I'm looking at the statistics head-to-head, Oz versus Brazil, um, over the last two matches. Let's have a look. Like, conversion rate, 
Brazil smashes Oz 31.8% to 10%. But when we look at stuff like tackles, success rate, Oz like scores pretty highly. And dual um, success rate, you know, 54.1% to Brazil's 49.5%. Talk to us maybe about what you're going to see play out um, in tonight's game in that friendly. Um, we look at those statistics. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I think, um, you know, Brazil, they love to, to play a, a real attacking style of football. Whether, whereas the Matildas, uh, they, you know, they're willing to do that as well, but they're happy to roll up their sleeves and get into a physical battle if need be. And I don't think the Brazilians will like that. Um, the Aussies will really want to get under the skin of the Brazilians and get into those physical duels and, you know, really uh, annoy them to some capacity and, and hopefully put them off their game. And then that will give the opportunity uh, for the likes of Ellie Carp and Sam Kerr and the likes to really um, show their quality and, and hopefully... Uh, Come, come out on top uh, at the end of the game. Hey, Quaz, Butes has got the next question, but just before he mm. asks that, I'm just looking at the full squad of the Aussies, and this is the mm. changing face of women's football. So if you just go through the squad, you've got players playing in England, Denmark, France, uh, also in Sweden, uh, and, of course, Australia, but Norway. So... Our squad is coming from every corner of the globe to play for the Matildas. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fantastic that they get so many opportunities now. And we saw, you know, in the Olympics how strong they perform there, and um, you know the far-reaching nature of women's sport now, yeah, this especially women's soccer. Team buttes. Yeah, yeah. With, well, I, I stopped watching an NRL game to watch the Matildas play. Yes, that, that's a fair indication of what I was thinking. Uh, Quaz, I want to touch on the EPL, mate. Some really big yep. clashes this weekend. Um, first one being tonight where, well, it's not a big clash because Arsenal uh, take on, who do they take on? Villa. Um, and they won this sit, morning. I think they won, they won yeah. Oh, they won this morning. There you go. There you go. Well, there Very you go. Happy. We don't even worry about it. 3-1 Arsenal. <laughs> so that, that clears them away. And, they, you know, they're sitting in 12th spot. They've probably beaten, uh, got ahead of Villa now. The other one is Chelsea who take on Norwich, which, again, should be an easy game for Chelsea. But there's six teams directly below Chelsea who are going head-to-head. Uh, and that's third-place Man City who take on Brighton, which, you know, if you had said at the start of the year that Brighton would be fourth place, uh, people would think you were going mad. But they've done a great job so far. Uh, that will be an interesting battle, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And I, you mentioned Chelsea. They're playing Norwich. They've had a midweek Champions League game in which they, they had a, a convincing win. But um, the effects of that, their two attacking stars, Lukaku and Werner, they both came mm. off the so their Premier League aspirations are, are on tilt at this point of time. They're at home against Norwich. Hopefully they can get the, the results. Uh, but there are teams, you know, right behind them, um, really starting to come come into some form. Uh, you mentioned Man City as well. Um, those teams are expected there at the, the business end of the season. And, um, you know, I look forward to, to the games tonight. And the one that you did miss, which is going to be a yeah, yeah. Oh, the big yeah. one. That's Here a big one. That's where I thought you were going. No, no, no. Use. I'm building. I was building up to it, mate. I'm building up to, <laughs> to it. I know. To a crescendo. All eyes are on Ronaldo and Salah. It's oh. United versus Liverpool. Yeah. I know. Wow. Yeah, incredible matchup. Um, you know, the big one for me as well is Bruno Fernandes. He's going to be ruled out of that game. Uh, for Manchester United. He's been very, very influential. And you talk about Mo Salah, well, for me, he's arguably the best player in the world at this point of time. We've seen some of the goals he scored over the last couple of weeks. Uh, one during the week against Atletico Madrid and, and the week before that in the Premier League was simple, mm. simply irresistible. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic matchup. Ronaldo just keeps turning up for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and 
keeps relieving the pressure. Uh, he's one coach that if he doesn't get uh, that team firing, um, he could be the first out of the door. He's the first player, uh, Mo Salah, to score in nine consecutive appearances for Liverpool, which is, you know, a phenomenal record. Oh. Uh, when you consider how, you know, how much history they have as a club, that Liverpool club, he's the first player to do that for them. His form, there is no doubt, is in career-best form. And, uh, you know, we're going to see two of the best strikers in the game, Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo, go head-to-head. Hey, what a, what a shame. That is our, our wind-up music. Uh, I wanted to talk about the two coaches not shaking hands uh, in the Champions League through the week. That made the news. But, Quaz, great to talk to you, my friend, and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks, guys. Take care. Hey, can you believe that's the end of the show? Uh, Mate, it's too quick. Two hours isn't long enough. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jess. Awesome job. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Thank you, Josh Kind, uh, our technical whiz. And thanks also to Adam Staples back at HQ. Next week, how about this? We're live from BJ Howe's Meadowland. Bring it on. Carnival. Saturdays on the coast on SEM. We'll catch you next weekend.